We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Redemption Church with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Oh, that was a mighty prayer we just prayed. That was good. That was good. Hello to everyone worshiping with us in person. I'm so glad every one of you is here with us. And hello to everybody online, you beautiful people online. We're glad that you're worshiping with us also. We are Redemption Church in Plano, Texas. My name is Chris Fluitt, and we are in the third week, the third one of How to Love. That's the third week of this sermon series, How to Love. Now, the world knows to love. Every movie, every book, every song, everything popular in our culture carries the message that life is better with love. I mean, you don't have to look too far for that. The world knows to love, but the world lacks the understanding of how to love. Last week, we talked about a love that is devoted and honors others above self. In, in love, we seek to give blessing, but also to receive blessing. God teaches us about a love that is not chasing after what is best, but after what is blessed. We told you uh, about the only competition that should be present in your love is the competition to outdo one another in honor. To honor one another more than you did yesterday. To outdo each other in that. We have been focusing on a passage of scripture, Romans chapter 12, and let's read it out loud together. Everyone, let's read it. Romans 12 and 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. That's the verse 13 there. All right, our prayer for this series is this. Lord. Teach us how to love. Lord, teach us how to love. We have need to be taught this lesson straight from the Lord, but we also have need to be untaught. Everybody say untaught. The world has led us to believe some false things about love. We're going to cover two more of them tonight. Here's one. The world teaches you that love is easy. Love is easy. Has anyone ever gotten that from from the culture around us, that love just happens, right? It was love at first sight. I mean, just looking at each other. They loved each other right then. That's all that needed to happen, right? They they just looked across the room, and they both know in in their heart of hearts that they found the one person that they were destined to be with. Our entertainment industry has beat this drum so loudly that we've often just grown deaf. The world teaches us that love just happens. And some are under the impression that love is a destined force. And that there is only one soulmate for each other. And that's really, that's real, that gets really hectic real quick because you're with this person. You're like, they're the one. They are the only one, and if I lose them, ah, and they go crazy, and they get jealous, and they go insane, and 
Good Lord, if they ever break up, that you what will happen? That nothing will happen because they were the one. They were the one. They're just distraught and they are depressed. They've just been taught this message that love is easy. And then it hits them right in the face. It ain't. It ain't easy. Others yet believe that love is a chemical reaction that takes place in your brain. It's this thing that just happens up here. Every one of these conclusions paint love as a thing that happens with little to no effort. If it's just a chemical reaction, you don't have any part to play in that. It's just your brain doing brain stuff. Your brain does brain stuff all the time. Yeah. Like it gets a song stuck in your head, right? I don't care a lot for Christmas. I just, I just bust you with that. That'll be in your head for the rest. You'll come to this altar to get delivered tonight. With easy love everywhere, is it a surprise that easy depression, easy divorce, and easy abuse seem to be everywhere? The feeling of love is easy, right? We get that feeling very easily. Teenagers get that feeling like an oscillating fan just blows on them and suddenly they've got a brand new feeling of love. Like like kids, right? The feeling of love is easy, but the how, the how to love, that kind of relationship, it takes work. The world taught you that love is easy, but God teaches you love is work. Love is hearing the baby in the a.m. hours and not rolling over and pretending like you never heard anything. That's, that's some love right there. Take some work. Love is in washing machines. Love is in lawnmowers. It's not on the packaging. It doesn't say it. Like, you know how many RPMs your, your, your lawnmower will go, but you don't understand it, husband. There is love in that lawnmower when you crank that up and go mow that lawn of yours. Love is helping your friend move. Yeah. I hate those calls. I hate those phone calls. I will answer those phone calls and I will come because I love you. Right? But you will, you will actually, on your day off, you've worked all week and a Saturday will come and now you are out picking up packages and here's the dirty little secret about moving. Half of the stuff you're moving, you don't even need, and you'll end up throwing out. It's true. But love is showing up on your off day to do these tasks that you don't even want to do. Love is in volunteering your time. Can we hear it for our volunteers here at Redemption Church? Thank you, guys. They're doing it. Because they love God and they love you. Love is often showed by working a job you hate. There's love in there. Love is work. Chapter 12 of Romans, verse 11 says, never be lacking in zeal. Now, the word in the New International Version translated as zeal is translated as Business. Everybody say business. That's how it's translated in the King James Version. Make haste in your business. Right? 
That Greek word is often translated as hasteful, diligence, and care. In other words, love is work. When it says that word for zeal, it actually means business. It actually means work. It means get to work, get hasteful about it, be diligent with it, and care. The act of loving requires work. And that may be the trouble because we often hate work. Anybody every once in a while just hate work? It's amazing. You can pray for a job and give yourself a a few months. And that job that God has blessed you with, you'll start hating. It's not because God gave you a bad job. The problem, it's not even always the job. Sometimes it's us because we just hate work. We hate it. Work is often a chore, right? Work is often a painful burden. Work is often thankless. Work is many times not something we enjoy. But God teaches us love is business. Love is diligent. Care. Love is work. The teaching from God that love is work is not very tempting, right? Yeah, there aren't very many Hallmark movies based on he was just working all day. She's like, he's working so hard, and they fell in love. That's not it at all? No. Perhaps for a few minutes, we need to hear this message. Love is work. Love is so much more than a date where two people wear cute clothes and hold hands. As cool as that is, love is a lot more than that. Love is work. Love better be more than a sexual encounter. We live in a world where many men help make a baby, but few love enough to become fathers. And we also live in a world where many women may make a baby, but many refuse to love the baby enough to carry the baby to term. Love is work. Love is not just seeking to feel good. Real love, just like work, often feels difficult, often feels painful, and it even may feel thankless. Anybody ever work a thankless job? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody ever do a work at your job and you're like, oh, man, boss is really going to notice this. He is going to thank me. Raise your hand if you've thought that and he didn't thank you. Right? Oh, yes, it happens, it happens, right? Aren't you glad you're not the only one? Gosh. It would, it would do us good to count the cost of the work of love. It says, never be lacking in zeal. That's our verse. Never be lacking in work. Don't stop working. Always be working in what? In love. Don't call in and act like you're sick just because you don't want to go to work today in your marriage. Don't don't call in sick because you don't want to put out the energy to love your family and to love your friends and church to love your city. Don't call in like sometimes you do. You know how you call in? You know how you call in? You're like, you actually test your voice sometimes where you call. You're like, uh, do I sound sick in my voice? I'm just... <laughs> Am I the only one? 
And Marshall says, you got to preach anyway, Pastor. <laughs> Never be lacking in word. Now, always be working. And don't call in sick. Don't, don't play that. Never be lacking in the word. The busyness of love. The text doesn't just tell you to always work. But it tells you to not be sluggish in working. It uses the word translated as slothful. The word sluggish. It, it says not to be slothful or sluggish in the work of love. So now it's not just telling you not to work, but it's telling you when you work, make sure you're not lazy. Make sure you're not sluggish. Right. In other words, let me teach you this. God's teaching us love is exciting work. It's exciting work. Don't be sluggish. Instead, what? That's a negative term. Don't be sluggish. So what's the opposite of that? What's an antonym? Here's one. Be energetic. Be active in your care. Don't be slothful, but instead be dynamic. Be lively. This is how to love. You excitedly work in your love. This is not a job that you hate. You just found the one job that you should never hate. Loving your spouse. Loving your children. Loving your friends. That's the job you should never, never hate. This changes everything. Because the most boring, dead-end job can become exciting if you are working for the right motivation. If you have the right reason to be working that job, even a dead-end job can be exciting. The most boring or painful activity becomes worthwhile when you realize the reason why you are doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Who loves watching little kid shows? Little Blue's Clues back in the day. We're what? You know what? I couldn't stand watching Blue's Clues by myself. <laughs> but if I have my child who I love by me, I you couldn't pull me away from watching Blue's Clues. Why? Why? Oh, is it suddenly exciting? Did we hit a really good plot in this episode of Blue's Clues? No. It was the right motivation. And it was exciting seeing him exciting. Boring and painful for me to watch, but in the eyes of my child, I found a motivation to watch it. I'm telling you this, that the job you get up in the morning and you don't want to go, if you will turn it around and start doing it for the right reasons, that job becomes exciting. If you realize that you're going to pay for your kids' college and you love them, of course I'm going to work. In fact, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do better at my job than I ever have so I can get a promotion, so I can provide for my family more. You see, it takes what is mundane and it is every day and it makes it exciting. And that's what this scripture says. Don't ever be lacking in seal when it comes to your love. It's work, but it's not just any work. It's exciting work. And you're going to give it. You're all, does this describe your love? Are you energetically working your love? Or you have, have you become a little slothful when it comes to your love? Have you become a little lazy when it comes to your love? Are you dynamically working in love? This is how you love. Here's our next lesson here. The world teaches us 
that love is hot. Everybody said hot. Put an extra H in there. Hot. That's what the world teaches us. Say amen if I'm right. Some of y'all don't believe me. Well, I'm not going to like waste time trying to prove that to you. You better sleep if you don't know what the world's teaching you that. Should hardly be a surprise. The following scene describes every 90s teen movie. Every one of them. Every 90s teen movie that I grew up with has this scene. Two guys are standing in the mall, in the school, or in the party. And some cute girls walk by. And the nerdier of the two friends turn to his body, buddy and says, I think I'm in love. Happens in every one of them. Every one of those 90s nerds movies. Somebody say amen if I'm right. It's absolutely true. Because that was imprinting on people that that's what love was. I think I'm in love, right? Why? A girl with a pulse that looked pretty walked right past me. Now I'm in love. Love is hot. That's the lesson of the world. So much of the world's understanding of love is attributed to physical passion. So let's change a little bit. The world teaches us that love is hot, and that is a carnal love. Carnal is a very biblical term. It means physical. It is tied to directly to what term? But the term sin. And through sin, it's tied really badly to the word death. You don't want to mess with carnal things. Now, we are physical people, but we cannot focus our life on carnal things because carnal things are sinful things. Sinful things are deadly things. This understanding is carnal that love is hot. The Bible tells us to avoid this mindset and by that to find true life and avoid death. So what's God's lesson? Here's God's lesson. God teaches us that love is hot spiritually. You're like, what? Hot spiritually? Pastor has lost it. This might seem really surprising. If it surprises you, great. Listen up. Perhaps in your love life you have not pursued one because of their spiritual hotness, right? Perhaps you have never considered a red-hot spirituality as attractive. Yet I promise you, God teaches us that this is how to love. And we've already read the verse. Romans chapter 12, verse 11. This is the middle part of this verse. It says, but keep your spiritual fervor. The word translated as fervor is zeo, zeo. And it, is, it literally means hot. That's what it means. That word means hot. Literally in the Greek, it means boiling hot water. Like you find this word in recipes, right? You need to get some water. You need to put it on the boil. And you need to make sure it's zeo, right? That's the word. It is boiling hot heat. This is way different from the world's teaching of carnal hotness. According to God, how to love takes a boiling hot spirituality. Somebody say hot. Oh, some husband needs to pull this line on their wife tonight. They need, Girl, you're so hot spiritually. Mm. Mm. I think I want to be your prayer partner. Oh, to really love someone, you need God's spirit 
turned up to a high temperature. You need it turned up to a high temperature in your heart, in your mind, in your words, in your soul. One of the best ways to love someone, if not the best way to love someone, is this, to practice the spiritual acts of prayer, worship, forgiving, and faith. All of these things are not carnal. They are spiritual. One of the best ways to how to love is to turn these things up spiritually hotter and hotter. Let us pray today that God will give us spiritual fervor to love. If you're having trouble loving, you need to rekindle your spiritual fervor. I don't want you to guess what I'm saying, so I'll just come right out and say it. There would be fewer divorces if the man and wife were boiling hot with God's Holy Spirit. There would be healthier marriages if they'd find each other in the altar. There would be stronger relationships in your family if y'all would spiritually worship God together. Friends that agree together on the things of God are far more beneficial for each other. All of this is just turning up the heat a little, turning it up. And if you will gradually turn up that heat, it will make your life more spiritually sound, healthy, and it will also lead you to love each other greater way. I want to tell you, churches, that have trouble loving, have trouble with the Spirit. They're spiritually cold. I would also tell you that spouses that have trouble loving each other have grown spiritually cold. And parents and children that are having loving each other, they're having trouble. They have grown spiritually cold. But the Lord tells us, tells us, turn up that heat. That we have got to have spiritual fervor. We've got to have boiling heat spiritually in our love. We have a final lesson to be untaught. Y'all ready for it? Here it is. The world teaches us that love serves. And I, I want to put ahead and put a blank. Love serves because there's two versions of this lesson. Uh, they'll flip it on you. I'm going to give you both versions. Love serves blank. All right. Here's the first version. Love serves self. That's the first one. Y'all agree with that so far? Does that make, yeah, yeah, you see that pretty, pretty much, right? It is very easy for love to be self-serving. Love can be uh, perverted. It's perverted. It's, it's, made, it's taken from something that's pure, and it is now unpure. It's a perversion to serve sinful problems like lust, greed, jealousy, and hatred. All those things are self-centered. Lust, greed, jealousy, hatred. All that self. Self-serving love seeks what? Self. Very good. It seeks only what is good and pleasing to self. Right? If it is less than pleasing, then that love, love, air quotes, love, that love wanes and it fades. If it requires cost, this love checks out. I'm out. 
That's too much. I didn't sign up for all this. We have grown men saying those words. I didn't sign up for all this after they got married. If it requires, if it requires cost, that, that love just checks out. God teaches us about this self-serving love in the love chapter. 1 Corinthians 13, it says, love is not self-seeking. Say it. Love is not self-seeking. Guess what? That means this. If it is self-seeking, it's not love. Okay? It, this is one of these simple things. God once hit me in the face with like 1 Corinthians 13. I, I told the Lord, I said, God, I, I love, I love my kids. But I just have trouble being patient. And the Lord, I, the Lord, he spoke, he spoke right to my heart. He said, you don't have a patience problem. You have a love problem. What? And it was, it was true. Because the, what's the first words on this, this area? It says, love is patient. If you have a patience problem, don't just relegate that as, you know, that's just my DNA. That, you know, that's my personality trait. I'm type A. I'm very driven. I just have, I just needed to be done. No, 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 no. You stop that right now. That is not a personality issue. That is not, well, you don't know the people I'm around. They're just, they're just, they don't get stuff done. No, that's not the problem. The problem is not that. The problem is, somebody say, love. And this self-seeking thing. Don't just say, well, you don't understand. I just like to drive fancy cars, and you just don't understand. I just like to do things that I like to do. No, no, you need to understand. Love is not self-seeking. If you have trouble with this, this self-pride and this always thinking about yourself, you need to hear these words. I say them in love. You have trouble with love. Thank you. Self-seeking love. Not make sure your love is not all about your own self. The world teaches us love serves self. The other version of this worldly lesson is this: love serves spouse. Now I want to be really careful, very careful, because this sounds really great on the cover. Sounds really good. Scripture even teaches us to serve one another in love. Yet this can quickly become off balance and even become harmful. Some relationships become abusive, and one of the members becomes subservient. Some marriages have silenced spouses who are more like slaves than partners. So let me shout it aloud that this is not how to love. You agree with me on that? Yeah. Can I get an amen on that, Pastor? Amen. amen. All right, good. Every time you say amen, things get to go. If your understanding of love is to serve the spouse, you may find yourself, if you're not careful, in a loveless relationship. Last week we talked about giving and receiving love. If our understanding of love is to only serve and only give love, we may find ourselves in a situation where we're only giving but not receiving and that's not God's plan for you. God God wants you to receive love and give love. And when we awaken to the fact that the person we are serving is a flawed human. 
right? Some of y'all in marriage, y'all haven't gotten there yet. Y'all haven't gotten there. Sarah got there very quickly. She is such a good student of flawed humans. Raise your hand if you're flawed human. So listen, the, the person you're trying to serve, you wake up one day and you realize, well, that's a flawed human. What are you going to want to stop doing? You're going to want to stop serving them and finally leave them to go find someone else to serve. That, that's what people do, not realizing that the next person they see is also a flawed human. And the, the closest person to them that's flawed is actually on the other side of the mirror. If they would look in the mirror, they are flawed as well. Now, this is not a good uh, situation, yet many are in this exact position. So we need an alternative. For this alternative, let's look back at God's word. Romans 12, verse 11. We haven't left this verse. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. What are the next three words? Serving the Lord. Serving the Lord. Here's God's lesson for you. Love serves the Lord. Love serves the Lord. The answer of avoiding self-service, me, 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 and also avoiding enslavement to service is to love the Lord and to serve the Lord. So let's, let's think through this. We serve ourselves to help ourselves, uh, better ourselves. Maybe we might even say to bless ourselves, only to find that we hurt ourselves. Self-service only hurts us. It's not how to love. It's not even how to love your own self. Next, we serve others not only because it helps others, but because it's healthier for us to not be centered on self. And that makes sense. So we're going to serve others because we know that self-service stuff, that's, that's bad. That's bad. Yet the people we serve fail, and that frustrates us. And sometimes we serve people who never seek to serve us back. And that, that leaves us always pouring out, never receiving anything back in. And we end up feeling empty. But when we serve the Lord, it is good for us in every way. It solves the pitfall of seeking self, because you're seeking the creator of all things. Even greater news is that when we serve the Lord, we are serving the only one who will Never fail. Everyone else we serve, they're flawed. This Lord, he is not flawed. When you serve the Lord, he will never forget your service. And he will never cease to reward your service. One day, every one of your deeds are going to be celebrated by the Lord. Every good deed, every work of service, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant he's gonna do it if a spouse starts serving someone outside the marriage it leads to problems right but if you invite someone outside of the marriage named the lord into the marriage and then you serve the lord in your marriage it leads to great blessing Don't invite anyone but the Lord into your marriage, 
right? Relationships should make you better. Has anyone ever heard that? A, a good, how do you know it's a good relationship? It should make you want to be a better person. It should make you want to strive to be a better person. It should put the right thoughts in you. It should, it should make you better in all of these ways. Relationships should make you a better person. A good relationship ought to make you a better person, give you a better heart, a more fulfilled life. And I would tell you that this is most true in your relationship with the Lord. Serving the Lord makes you a better spouse. It makes you a better parent and a better friend. Serving the Lord improves all of your relationships. And when you find out the person you are lovingly serving is a flawed human, you don't throw that person away. You serve the Lord. And your service to the Lord includes loving those that fall short. Forgiving those who don't deserve it. And turning the other cheek. A relationship with the Lord makes all of your relationships better. Husband, serving the Lord is the best way. To serve your wife. Wife serving the Lord. Is the best way. To serve your husband. Parent. The best way to serve your children. Is to actively serve the Lord. Children. The best way to serve your parents. Is to actively serve the Lord. I, I'm not going to pursue my own selfish desires. Instead. I will serve the Lord. And when I. I'm going after what he desires. It's ultimately better for me and it's ultimately better for you because we are actually serving the one who loves me and you above anyone else's love. His love for us is the most perfect. If anyone knows how to love, it's that guy up there. And when we serve him, it, it helps us in how to love other I'm not going to enslave myself instead I will serve the Lord his spirit is freedom he sets you free he breaks chains other people hold a burden and a bondage of things you did in the past they keep them up in front of you if they could put them in in photo frames they would right just wanted to remind you sent you this in the mail you messed up, you sorry person, right? That's people, right? But not the Lord. Uh, serve him. He wants to set you free. He wants to set you free. So we're not going to fall into the pitfall of self. We're not going to fall into the pitfall of enslavement. Instead, we're going to actively serve the Lord. Romans 12, 11, one more time. Could you read it out loud with me? Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Have you been lacking in any of these areas? Probably, right? <laughs> One out of three, two out of three ain't bad. Meatloaf reference. Three out of three, it would not be shocking for us to have the three out of three issue here, right? We'll wake up to it. This isn't to throw that, throw you under the bus and have you feel bad. No, this is to wake us up because God wants to show us how to love. 
Have you been exhausted with the work of love? Is that you? It is time for you to become excited again. It is time to have zeal again. Don't ever go to work angry again. Go to work in service of love. Do it. That takes it all to the right motivation of love. Have you been spiritually cold? Well, rekindle your spiritual fervor. Burn hot spiritually. Take a moment every day to be spiritual. Be spiritual one to another. Here is something to practice saying. Hey, babe, would you like to read the Bible? Would you like to look in the Word of God together? Maybe we do it before we watch our favorite Netflix show. Maybe we pray together. Hey, would you come into the altar with me and pray with me in altar? What is that? Turning up that temperature. It's rekindling that fervent love of the Have you been trying to serve the Lord? Do you believe it is best to serve the Lord? Have you gotten into a bad place where you're like, I'm serving the Lord, but I don't want to. Glad you haven't walked away from serving him. Happy for that. But you're missing out on the joy and the victory and the peace and the miracle and the victory and all the blessing of serving the Lord if you don't do it from a place of love. Do it from a place of love. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. We've ended every week of this series with this. Romans chapter 5 8 says, But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God doesn't just tell us how to love. Doesn't just write the book like some one of those awful textbooks that you have to go through in college or high school. You hated those things, right? Oh, my gosh. Read chapters four and five and do the questions. And that was like painful. That's not what the Bible is. God's not just writing to you information. God actually demonstrates how to love. And the greatest demonstration of love is Jesus Christ on the cross. There is no greater way to learn how to love than to get Calvary and a view of Jesus Christ on the cross dying for you. So let's compare our lesson tonight in light of the cross. Remember the world taught you that love is easy. Was the love of Jesus easy? No. Did it just happen? No. Was the love of Jesus work? Yes. You bet it was. What did God teach us? God taught us that love is exciting work. What Jesus did was hard work, but it was also his passion. Everyone say passion. passion. Have you ever heard the term passion of the Christ? There's a wonderful film called The Passion of the Christ. It comes from a verse in your Bible, Acts chapter 1, verse 3, in the King James Version says, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion. 
by many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. I want to draw your attention to after his passion. What was this passionate work that he's talking about here? What is this passion that Luke is referring to? The cross was his passion. Setting you free from sin was his exciting work. Remember the first words recorded of Jesus in your Bible? He says, I must be about my father's business. I got to go to work, mom. Mom, sorry, I got to work. You know, I got to do my father's business. Remember his last recorded words on the cross? He says, it is finished. Whoa. It was a heavy burden. It was work. It was his father's business. But it was also his passion. The word used there is a really interesting word. It can, it can use in bad situations, suffering. In other situations, it could mean gaining good. I want to tell you that his passion does both. It was suffering, but it also gained good. Us. Why? Because he was doing it for his father. And he was doing it for us. Look at somebody and say, you are his passion. Look at this lesson. The world teaches us that love is hot and it's carnally. The demonstration of love on the cross was not about physical attraction. Do you agree? Isaiah 53 says, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. The love demonstrated on the cross was not about a hotness in the physical, but instead it's God's lesson, love that is hot spiritually. If anyone who ever lived had a boiling hot spirituality, it was our Jesus Christ. He prayed for us in the garden, so strong and so in tune spiritually with his father that he sweated great drops of blood. And on the cross, I don't know how he did it, but I believe he looked ahead in time in the spirit and he saw me when he prayed the words, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. How hot is Jesus spiritually? Well, he is the one who baptizes us with the Holy Spirit, not the Holy Spirit only, but it says with the Holy Spirit and the fire. That's our Jesus. Next, the world teaches us that love serves. Remember, we had two versions of that. The world teaches us that we either serve ourselves or we serve an enslavement to a spouse. What did our Jesus do on the cross? Did he serve? Did he serve himself? Did he serve anyone other than his father? No, not at all. God teaches us love serves the Lord. Jesus served the Lord on the cross. If Jesus had served his mom on the cross, 
Peter, come right down from that cross right now, right this instant, young man. That's what he would have done. She didn't want him on that cross. He refused to serve his mom. He loved her in order to serve the Lord. You see, he could have gotten off that cross. Had he gotten off that cross, Mary would have been thrilled. But Mary would have also died in her sin. Because Jesus served his father in heaven, Mary ends up blessed beyond measure. Because he served his father in heaven, all those that he loves, all those that he loves are also blessed beyond measure. Jesus demonstrates love. Jesus demonstrates how to love. These altars are open to everyone who wants God to help them in the area of love. For more information about redemption, look us up online at redemption-church.com. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or even our anonymous question text line at 214-856-0550. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.